Thank you very much, Sage. And uh, it'd be helpful to stay there, friends, in Romans chapter 6. We're thinking about another big idea today in this extended reflection on the cross of Christ, the wondrous cross. We've been thinking about some big ideas of what it is that the cross of Jesus, his death for us, what does that mean and what does it achieve? Uh, This morning we're thinking about the topic of redemption, that the cross of Christ sets us free from sin and death. Uh, What a wonderful thing to celebrate. Uh, But I wonder if you consider what freedom for a person might actually look like, what would spring to mind? Uh, We have often uh, ideas of freedom that have to do with choice. I felt very free the other night when I made the adult decision to go to bed at 7.30. I am free. I can make that choice and enjoy the benefits, right? So often our idea of freedom uh, is the idea of choice, choosing where we live, uh, choosing who we marry, uh, choosing what job we have, uh, choosing our political representatives. These are all aspects of our freedom that we like to enjoy. But I wonder if all of us feel completely free in some of those areas. The Afghan refugee on a boat from Indonesia doesn't feel particularly free when it comes to choosing where they want to live. Uh, The AIDS orphan in the slums of Nairobi doesn't feel like they have a lot of choice and freedom when it comes to their life. The death row inmate in a Texas prison doesn't have a lot of choice or freedom when it comes to just about anything. The teenage quadriplegic who can't choose to itch her nose doesn't feel free in many of the ways that we like to think freedom exists. And the cross of Jesus reminds us that there is a bigger sense of freedom. There there is a bigger hope of redemption that Jesus and his death on the cross offers not just to the upwardly mobile and relatively wealthy middle class of Australia, but even the death row inmate in a Texas prison or the teenage quadriplegic or the AIDS orphan in Nairobi. Freedom from sin and death, that means life in Christ. And the amazing thing in Romans chapter 6 is that uh, while we think that uh, a plethora of choice is what freedom is all about, in reality there are only two sets of slavery that define humanity, either being a slave to sin which leads to death or a slave to righteousness that leads to life. And the thing that stands in the middle of those two slaveries is the cross of Jesus redeeming us from sin that leads to death in order that we might be slaves to righteousness which leads to life. Okay, we're going to go back to Romans chapter 6. And in order to 
unpack this. We're going to think about the old slavery that the cross needs to set us free from, the new identity that the cross grants us as free people, and the present reality that the cross drives us to want to live out. So let's go back to Romans chapter 6, and we're going to play it a little bit different and jump right into the middle at verse 15. We're going to think about the old slavery that the cross sets us free from. Have a look at Romans chapter 6, verse 15. Uh, What then uh, shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you're a slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? Uh, Do you see the stark contrast there and the situation that all of us find themselves in, uh, ourselves in, that you can only be in one of those two camps. You're either a slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. They're the two options available. Uh, And apart from Christ, all of us fall into that first camp. Without Jesus, no matter how free you might like to declare yourself to be, God's perspective is that without Jesus you are a slave to sin. Uh, You obey the master that you're enslaved to, Paul says. And so the evidence that we have that we're enslaved by sin without Jesus is that we simply obey our evil desires. We do what sin tells us to do. The desires of our hearts that usurp the rightful reign of God in our lives. In verse 12, Paul says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not let sin reign, because sin is a spiritual master. A spiritual master that will have you and lead you all the way to hell. By nature we are owned by sin, we are slaves to sin, And we see that we're slaves to sin because we obey our sinful desires. Jesus himself said it like this in John chapter 8. He says, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And so the fact that we all sin, we demonstrate our slavery. And the problem is that we can't change this by ourselves can't work for our own freedom. We can't break the shackles by our own achievements. As part of human nature, we're born with broken hearts, we're turned away from God, and we are in rebellion against him, enslaved by our evil desires. Some years ago, I was trying to explain this to a child who shall remain nameless, and uh, this child, you know, as we talked about the, the idea of sin and all of us having broken hearts that we need God to replace because of our sin. And the next day when uh, this particular child didn't want to get out of the car and um, for no particular reason just re- refused to move despite all the requests of this child's parents, 
and when asked to explain their reasoning of why they will not get out of the car when they've been instructed to do so by their lawful parent, they declared, I have a broken heart. <laughs> so true, true story. Why don't you obey your parents? Because I'm sinful. I have a broken heart. I am by nature a slave to sin, obeying its desires. And what are sin's desires? Well, if you go all the way back to the first sin in the garden with Adam and Eve, it gives us the pattern of every sin after that, doesn't it? The desire of the sinful heart is to be like God. In fact, it's to be God, to replace him, to dethrone him and to put ourselves at the centre, to choose for ourselves what is good and evil, what is right and wrong. The desire of our sinful hearts is to rule ourselves with the tragic irony that in wanting to rule ourselves, we end up simply being ruled by sin and enslaved by the desires of our own hearts in rebellion against God. And God in his grace lovingly tells us the consequence of this that should really widen our eyes and should focus our thoughts. Because God says in Romans chapter 6 that the sinful desires of our heart aren't funny, they are tragic and they are fatal. Verse 16, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are a slave to sin which leads to death or obedience that leads to righteousness. Slavery to sin leads to death. You can't say it any more starkly than that, can you? Slavery to sin leads to death. And so if you're not trusting in Jesus' death on the cross as the only hope to break the shackles of sin and slavery to sin in your own life, over your own life. If you are simply living life following the desires of your own heart and whatever you're chasing, whatever it is, that first love of your heart, whatever you've made the ruling centre of your life in the place of God, And listen to what Jesus says for whatever it is that you're chasing. He says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their own soul? Because if you gain the whole world chasing after the desires of your heart, what good is it for you when along the way you have simply forfeited your soul for all eternity? Elon Musk forfeited his soul in seeking to gain the whole world. Have you and I forfeited our own souls in seeking to gain the whole world? Thinking in our own deluded mind that we're pursuing freedom, 
because we're pursuing what our hearts desire with the tragic irony that our hearts' desires are sinful and lead to death. Paul puts it like this in verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Temptation is to think that that sounds good. But to be free from the control of righteousness is to be free from the control of all that is good and right and just. Verse 21, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. And so the the message of redemption that comes through the cross of Christ is not simply a message of inspiration, but one of transformation. You need a new master is what you need. And the freedom of the Christian is a freedom to be a slave of Christ. Because if you're not a Christian, then you are a slave to sin and the great need of your life is to transfer allegiance to a new master, to be redeemed from your slavery to sin that leads to death and and, and brought into your slavery to Christ, which leads to life. And the amazing reality is that that change is possible and that freedom is available because the cross of Christ announces to the universe the annihilation of the power of sin to dominate and to enslave the human race. And so the challenge of Romans 6 is to give yourself to the only master who became a slave for you, the only master who died that you might truly live. Have a look at that remarkable new identity that the cross of Jesus gives you if you are a Christian. Have a look back at verse 1, the remarkable new identity. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. When Paul says we in that passage, he's talking about all those who have been baptised into Christ, which is not necessarily the, the water baptism that we immediately think of. It's a way of saying those who have been united to Christ, initiated into Christ, that picture of what Water baptism is a picture of what Paul is talking about here, that if you've been united to Jesus in his death, putting your trust in him, you die to your old self and your slavery to sin in order to live the new life 
in obedience to God. And if you've been united to Jesus, joined to him, baptised into him, it means that all that is true of what his death on the cross achieved belongs to you. So united to him, his death to sin is our death to sin. United to him, his resurrected life is our resurrected life. And so the key to living this new life of freedom from sin and eternal life with Jesus is understanding who you are, your identity in him. Do you ever feel, as a Christian, that you're a little bit of a failure? That when you sit here on a Sunday, you play the comparison game with those sitting around you? Either I wish I could live the Christian life like they are obviously living the Christian life, or maybe at least I'm living the Christian life better than they're living the Christian life. Do you think that the change in your life when you became a Christian has been a little bit slow? Or whether you can actually call yourself a Christian? Am I really good enough? Well, the challenge of Romans 6 is to know who you are. By faith in Jesus, all the benefits of his death on the cross are credited to your account. What he has achieved is true of you by faith in him. And so do you want to see change? Do you want to feel like you experience that end of slavery to sin in a new way, a real way? Do you want to see the rule of Christ take hold in your life more and more? Then you need to know who you are. Keep looking to the cross to joyfully glory in what Jesus has achieved for you. The key to this new life of freedom is not, come on, you need to try a little harder. Come on, you need to believe in yourself a little more, like the pantheon of self-help gods teach you to do. The key is to keep trusting in Jesus and believing his promises and looking to his cross because there is true and perfect freedom. The encouragement of verse 4 in Romans chapter 6 is that God has done absolutely everything needed to set us free and has given us every resource that we need to see the rule of Christ replace the rule of sin in our lives. Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you by the Spirit. You have everything you need to live out the Christian life and be who Jesus has made you to be. And the changes that God wants to bring in your life, the freedom that he wants you to enjoy, is absolutely enormous. 
He doesn't look at you in your slavery to sin and say, I want to make you just a little bit better. We're not talking about a nicer, more Christian version of your old self. We're talking about a whole new you. A whole new life. C.S. Lewis classically puts it in this beautiful way, which you'll see on the screen. He says, mere improvement is not redemption. God became man to turn creatures into sons, not simply to produce better men of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of men. It is not like teaching a horse to jump better and better, but turning a horse into a winged creature. Jesus died to set you free and redemption is not about him saying jump better and better but him saying here are wings that you might fly as in you might enjoy the freedom of life that comes from belonging to him and enjoying all the benefits of his redeeming death in your place. Soaring above the hurdles of sin and the obstacles of life. Not just yelling at you to jump a little higher. That's the new identity that God calls us to live out if we have been redeemed by the cross of Jesus. And that's meant to excite us and meant, us to, meant to drive us closer to God and to see us delight in Jesus in his cross a little more. But I suspect that if you're anything like me, that you're waiting for a bit of a reality check. Because while we want to be excited by that, well, maybe we are, there's the reality check of the ongoing presence of sin in our lives. And the knowledge that if the death of Jesus has given me wings to soar over sin and the obstacles of life, sometimes those wings feel a little bit defective as we crash into the buildings. As we fall into old habits as we struggle to let go of those things that have enslaved us. We live in the overlap of the ages because the death and resurrection of Jesus has begun a new age and by faith all of his benefits have been applied to us yet our physical resurrection still lies in the future. Now we're still actually living in this age where our struggles are real and we're exposed to the, old, to the power of the old age in very real ways. That we still sin, that sin rears its ugly head in our lives because we're called to an active fight against it. Knowing that it is no longer our master and so we don't have to obey it. And so the present reality, knowing our old life that has been crucified with Jesus in order to set us free to live the new life of slavery to him under his loving lordship and care, 
The present reality that the cross drives us to is there in verse 11. That in the same way, we ought to count ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. There is an active counting that needs to take place on our part. We need to remind ourselves and treat ourselves as dead to sin, which we truly are in Christ. That when temptation comes, that we need to be equipped and ready to say, no, I have died to sin, I will not let it reign in my mortal body any longer. Verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. There is an active turning of our faculties over to God in service to him in dependence upon his Holy Spirit. Actively wanting to say to him, take my hands and my tongue and my mind and my feet and use them in your service. Being reminded of the fact that the freedom that we have in Christ is a freedom to be his slave. No longer the slave of sin that leads to death, but the slave of God that leads to righteousness. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. You were redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Therefore, honour God with your body. And so the Bible today is classically optimistic and realistic. Being reminded of the wonderful freedom that Jesus gives us when he redeems us from sin and death by his blood on the cross. The assurance that we have all the resources we need to live changed lives. But the Bible is also thoroughly realistic. If sin was never going to be a problem for the Christian, Paul would not have to say, do not offer yourself to sin any longer. But he knows that sin will continue to be a reality in our lives that we need to fight against, trusting in the magnitude and the power and the reality of the cross. In the very next chapter, Paul will exclaim, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? But thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. The ongoing presence of sin in our lives is a little bit like that picture of a newly formed country with a new ruler and a new direction and a new flag that has a decisive victory and a decisive moment in history that has taken place and yet there will be pockets of fighting and forces trying to exert themselves. But the whole direction and allegiance and rule of that place has changed. And that's what's happened for you. When you've come to put your faith in Jesus, you're no longer a slave to sin, but a slave to Jesus. 
You're no longer heading in the direction of the desires of your own heart that lead to death, but you're leading in the, you're following the direction of obedience that leads to righteousness and life. And the key to enjoying that wonderful freedom that Jesus has given and to fight and to root out and to run from the sin in your own life is to keep coming back to the cross. Where you see that Jesus has died for you and therefore you have died to sin. That you might live to righteousness. Part of the fight that you and I will be engaged in in seeking to die to sin and live to righteousness will be seeking to find those things that, that Justin has already prayed for us really those good things that we make ultimate things in our life those good gifts of God that we kind of place at the center and, and, and shape our lives around and therefore give in to the rule of sin and offer ourselves to sin once again. I want us to finish this morning by asking some hard questions of ourselves and our own lives, thinking about where it is that we need to put to death the masters of the past in order that we might give Jesus our allegiance and live for him. The late David Powerson uh, wrote some very helpful questions that he calls x-ray questions to ask what is it that's leading your heart? Is it those sinful desires or is it the righteousness of Christ? So just sit and think about these for a minute. And let these questions address your heart. What do you love? As in what will you make sacrifices for? What does your heart love most? Number two, what do you want or crave or wish for? What is that thing that you think, if I could just have that, then everything would be great? that job, that money, that body, that family? Number three, what do you pursue? What do you direct your energies towards? Number four, what do you fear most? Number five, what do you feel that you need? Number six, what sun does your planet revolve around? Which is another way of saying, what do you organize your life around? What sits at the center? Is it Jesus? Number seven, what do you pray for? Or on, this, on the flip side, what don't you pray for? Do you pray and ask God to tear you away from sin and to direct you in his ways instead of your own?
What do you think about most often, number eight? What do you talk about? Where do you find your identity? How do you define yourself? Number 11, whose performance or opinion matters to you? Number 12, where do you find refuge, safety, comfort and escape? The answers to these questions will will tell you what's leading your heart. The place that you run to when life is hard, the comfort that you seek when the burdens are heavy, the escape that you make when life is overwhelming gives a big insight into what spiritual masters are seeking to dethrone Jesus and to enslave you. And so take the time to pray and to allow God's word and spirit to bring those things into the light. That Jesus might be the unopposed master that you serve. Because as the prayer book reminds us, in his service is perfect freedom. Romans 6 verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. And therefore, verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. Change is possible and freedom has already been won through the blood of Jesus on the cross. And so give yourselves to the only master who became a slave for you. The only master who died that you might truly live. Why don't we pray together? Our Father, we thank you again for the wondrous cross where the Prince of Glory died to set us free from sin and death that we do not need to be slaves to sin any longer but that we might be slaves of Christ living for him that new life that he purchased for us. Please help us to keep looking to him for all the power that we need to live the reality that he has set us free by his blood. May we rejoice in that reality even as we continue to fight the presence of sin in our own lives. And we pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen.